Welcome back. We are carrying on in our series in the Gospel of Luke, and today we're looking at Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. Now, this is a smaller section than what we normally have been covering up to now, but it's, it's smaller with intention. There's something significant taking place here. So, if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, and if you don't know where the Gospel of Luke is in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents, please use it. Uh, by doing so, you're going to learn where things are in the Bible. You're going to gain more confidence to be able to find things. So, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, here's what it says. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time together, and I pray, Lord, that as we're looking into your word, that we'll gain a deeper understanding of this, of Jesus' baptism, this event in his life, and how it's different from what John was doing and different from what we do. And so, Lord God, will we have eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are open to you today. In your name I pray. Amen. So, according to the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life uh, recorded in the Bible, Jesus, we understand, was sinless. In the account of Jesus' life, we know that he was directly tempted. We're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. Um, but he didn't give in to these sinful impulses. As a matter of fact, in 1 John, John being the disciple whom Jesus loved is often a, a reference to him. Uh, John, as an eyewitness, says, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. That's 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. And so there's this understanding from the people who walked with Jesus that he was without sin, that we then get to sort of inherit that knowledge and be able to have faith in that act or that belief. And so it makes it, makes it hard to make sense of why Jesus would have been baptized at the start of his earthly ministry. Jesus instructed John the Baptist to baptize him, and even John was surprised by this thing because John's response to it was, well, no, I need to be baptizing you. In one account, it says that John didn't feel like he was worthy to wash the feet of Jesus. And so um, John, who thought he would, it would be more appropriate for Jesus to baptize him, wondered why Jesus needed to be baptized as well. And so this is a similar question, I think, that many believers have when they read this part of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus didn't leave John or future followers of him without an answer. He actually tells us in, in the answer to this question in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, where Jesus replied, Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented to baptize him. So Jesus truly took our place in every way as the ultimate atonement for our sin, the ultimate payment for our sin. So as we look at this narrative, of course, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, but there's something important for us to gain deeper understanding and meaning as we're walking through these narratives and these stories within the Scriptures, these life accounts. And that is this thing called the harmony of the Gospels. So three out of the four Gospel accounts uh, record Jesus' baptism. 
And in the recording of the baptism, the, probably the most detailed account is found in the book of Matthew. And so I'll read that here, verses, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's important, I think, for us to note that in all three accounts of the baptism, we learn that the baptism was crucial as a first step uh, to Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. Uh, and we understand that this is an approximately three to three and a half year ministry that Jesus had while here on earth, which eventually led him to the cross. Jesus' baptism took place during a time when John had already began baptizing others for the purpose of repentance. Uh, John proclaimed that no longer was the lineage of Abraham uh, enough for salvation. He preached the message of repentance, of baptism, and the importance of bearing righteous fruit, right? He called us into holy living. And according to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 3, verse 23, Jesus was roughly around 30 years old when this took place. Now, the significance of him being 30 is important. Uh, noting that he was 30 years old, or roughly around 30 years old, is significant for a few reasons. One of them being that 30 years old is generally considered the minimum age for entering into any kind of public service. This was the age in which the Levites entered their work. Uh, the Levites were the priestly tribe of Israel. Uh, the age at which it was lawful for scribes to begin teaching was 30. And generally speaking, 30, um, 30 years old amongst the Jews was looked upon as a time when manhood was fully reached and developed. And so it's, it's significant. And then talking about his age and that sort of thing. Uh, Jesus didn't need to repent or turn from sin when we start asking, okay, why did Jesus get baptized, right? Because that's the big question. If John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and to live out holiness, and if our baptism is something different that we're gonna talk about a little bit later, uh, then what was Jesus' baptism? What was the significance of it? Well, we know that he didn't need to repent or turn from sin, and so his baptism did a few things. It served as a sign for John and for future generations of believers that he was the Messiah. It was this confirmation with this confirmation in place, John's mission to prepare the way for the Messiah had been complete. You see, if John is this prophetic voice in the wilderness that talks about in Isaiah, crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, if John's ministry is to be the forerunner of the Lord, then at some point along the way, when the Lord comes, John has to diminish and the Messiah has to increase. And so there's a few things that that need to take place there. And, and this baptism seems to have been one of those things. Jesus' baptism account is a beautiful portrayal of this loving relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then this moment in his life marked the beginning of his ministry in which he would be partaking in the human experience fully as the spotless Lamb of God sent to save the world. Now, the baptism of Jesus doesn't have to be confusing. 
I know there's a lot of questions that will come up, but it actually doesn't have to be confusing, even if it does raise questions for us. Jesus, is, uh, Jesus wasn't baptized for the same reasons that we as believers need to be baptized. And so instead, his baptism, well, it confirms, like we mentioned, his identity as the Messiah. It demonstrates his willingness to take on humanity, to be the perfect atonement for all sin and death. Jesus modeled a key step of the, the key step of baptism in the life of every believer. And then at the end of his life, Jesus instructs his disciples to make, like to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is in Matthew 28, verse 19. And so when we're looking at, okay, what's the deal with Jesus' baptism? Like, what are the reasons that he would have been baptized? Um, there's a few possibilities. These are things that we can lean into and say, yeah, like all of these ones, they have merit, they kind of make sense and, and would be good reasons for him to have been baptized. So the first one would be this. Jesus was baptized to identify with those that he came to save. According to the theologian Albert Mar Barnes, when John emerged, the people flocked to hear him and to be baptized. Throughout the whole country, there were there was an unprecedented movement towards God. And Jesus knew that he too must identify himself with this movement towards God. John's baptism was part of the people's turning from sin and turning towards God. And Jesus wanted to identify with this turning. It's not that Jesus himself needed to turn, but he was identifying and participating in this turning. And that kind of makes sense. Another one would be this, that Jesus was baptized to mark the official start of his ministry. Uh, many people will refer to this as an inauguration, right? So it's a movement away from John and towards Jesus. And there's this transition that takes place at the time of the baptism. So since John would be handing the ministry baton over to Jesus when Jesus was ready to begin his ministry, what better place to do it than at the Jordan River, where John, for quite some time, had been helping people turn from their sin and prepare their hearts for the coming Messiah that we know now to be Jesus. And that makes sense. This third reason, though, I find intriguing. Jesus was baptized to ceremonially cleanse himself before being filled with the Holy Spirit. So according to, now you got to remember, like Jesus was a person who was born under the law, even though he, and he fulfilled the law. And in doing so, one of the things that was really important, according to the Old Testament law, was that the Jewish high priest was the only man authorized by God to enter into the Holy of Holies, the most sacred room in the temple where it believed that God's Spirit dwelt. And before entering into the Holy of Holies, the high priest would always wash themselves as part of a ceremonial cleaning. Well, Jesus, in Jesus' case, heaven was about to be opened up around the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit was about to descend, leave heaven, come down, get real up close and personal with Jesus. And so possibly Jesus' baptism was um, in line with him being our great high priest, the idea of preparing himself for the indwelling of the Spirit. Now, the, of course, the, the, the caveat there, again, is that Jesus didn't need to cleanse himself um, because of any sin. He may have just been following through on the ordinance that was there for Old Testament priests. But from the start to the end of his ministry, Jesus championed the significance of baptism for those who would put their faith in God. Now, when it comes to John the Baptist and having this encounter with Jesus, what ultimately, I wonder, 
caused John to say, yep, okay, I will do this baptism, even though he reluctantly uh, didn't want to do it initially. John the Baptist was Jesus' older cousin. His mother Elizabeth was pregnant with John only a few months before Mary became pregnant with Jesus. His father was a priest named Zechariah. Elizabeth and Zechariah were described in Luke's Gospel, and, and we've talked about this in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And so it's no surprise that John, a godly man, chosen to prepare, uh, was chosen to prepare the way for Jesus, born to parents who were deeply faithful to God as well. And just as we don't hear much about Jesus' boyhood, um, the same is true of John. John shows up in the Gospel accounts once again, uh, just before Jesus begins his ministry. Those who followed John and heard his preaching wondered if he was the Messiah, and, and John was very clear about whether or not he was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, John described himself in Luke chapter 3, verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah the prophet, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John identified himself fulfilling, as fulfilling the prophetic scriptures in Isaiah that God would send a messenger before the Messiah, preparing the people for the coming of the Messiah. And John was this prophesied messenger. And so John prepared the way by preaching repentance and righteousness and baptism for the forgiveness of sins and, and about the power and majesty of the coming of the Messiah. Jesus instructed John to baptize him and John followed Jesus' prompting. John baptized Jesus as a final step to prepare the way for Jesus' coming. And, and Jesus refers to this as in fulfilling all righteousness. That's an interesting thing. So Jesus' baptism is this inauguration. It is identifying with us. It's fulfilling all righteousness. John's baptism was one of repentance. And so what does that then mean about like our baptism? What is that? Well, the New Testament offers great wisdom and guidance to help us understand the purpose of baptism. As a matter of fact, you know, what we find is that baptism is significantly symbolic. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we realize and we learn that baptism symbolizes the forgiveness of sins, the washing and the cleansing of us. In Acts 2, 38, Peter replied after the crowd, after he preaches to the crowd about Jesus and they, they ask him, what then should we do? Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when we are baptized, we repent and turning from our sins, and we receive forgiveness that Jesus provides through his death and resurrection. And this is where it gets interesting, because the early church practice is different than ours. In the early church, there, you would not find somebody that would have considered themselves a follower of Jesus, a Christian, who wasn't baptized. Here's what I mean. In the earliest of days, you had uh, people who were interested in learning more about Christianity. And so then they were taught what Christianity was all about. And these people were referred to as catechumen. And the catechumen, uh, it's where we get our word catechism from. The catechumen were people who were investigating the faith. And so as people who were investigating the faith, they were taught what the faith was all about. And then at some point, they would be asked, do you believe? And if their answer was yes, well, then upon their confession of faith, they were then baptized. That was the pattern. And it was only after their confession of faith that they were then considered Christian. And then the first act of obedience in their lives was that act of baptism. And, and so there wasn't really someone who was considered a Christian that wasn't baptized. 
And so it's a little different than us because we, we have people accept Jesus at young age and, and, and then later on in life they, they get baptized. And, and so it's an interesting um, thing that we have here in our modern era. But the model we see in the New Testament uh, and the model we see in church history is that you would learn what Christianity is about. You would make a public confession of faith. You would then be baptized as a symbol of the inner work that's already taken place. And so baptism, you could say, is a symbol of our faith in Acts chapter 8, verse 12 to 13. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself, talking about Simon the sorcerer, uh, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. And so the model of the New Testament is that when someone became a new believer, they're demonstrating their faith in Jesus, they were baptized. Baptism serves as a vital step for those declaring their faith in Christ. So it's not about attaining to a place of getting ready. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the next thing in line for us to do is to be baptized upon that confession of faith. It's a symbol of being buried and raised to life, new life with Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 says it this way. Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may, have, may live a new life. And so when we're baptized, it symbolizes that we've entered into the death of Jesus and it symbolizes that we're then raised to new life with Jesus. That's what it does. It is significant. And when we take into consideration the scope of the New Testament insight on baptism, we can conclude that Jesus did not need to be baptized for the same reasons that we do. But Jesus did need to be baptized, which is why he asked John to baptize him. And by being baptized, Jesus began his work to take our place and to redeem humanity. He modeled baptism as something that all believers need to do as a step in their faith journey. And it remains true for us as believers today. And then we have this incredible... Um, account of how God responds to Jesus' baptism. He responds just amazingly to me. Um, it says that this response, right, and a voice from heaven came, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So God affirms Jesus' baptism in a very powerful way, recorded in both Matthew's gospel and certainly here in Luke's gospel. Um, and as soon as Jesus was baptized and came out of the water, the heavens opened up. And it says, The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, with whom, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus following his baptism. And this was a sign that Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Spirit and would usher in peace between humankind and God. And as Jesus rose from the water, it actually says, as he was praying, as he rose from the water, the, the Father spoke these monumental words about who Jesus was, which left no question that Jesus was, in fact, 
the anticipated Messiah, the Son of God. And from this point forward, everything changes. Everything changes. And that's what Jesus' baptism is all about. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time here. And I thank you, Lord, that even within these short words that we have in the account of your baptism, the rich meaning that we have there is significant. And so I thank you that we have these words that we're able to study. I thank you that you call us into relationship with you. And the first step of that relationship is receiving you. And the second step is being baptized. And so, Lord God, I ask that you would help us to be a people who cherish the work that you did for us on the cross that we would understand that you identify with us in every way and that we would seek to be a people who submit to you who want to obey you who want to follow you and lord for those who haven't lord that that would be that step of baptism those who have lord that that would be a continued life where as paul calls it he says to live a life worthy of the calling i thank you jesus for your presence in our lives in your name i pray amen